Hey everyone, welcome to Covenant Courses, and this is our look at the book Missional Essentials by Brad Briscoe and Lance Ford. And throughout this, I'm going to be interviewing uh, one of the authors, Brad Briscoe, about this book. Today we're going to be looking at lesson one or chapter one of the book. It's called His Nature, Our Missionary God. And today we're going to start talking about some essential paradigm shifts that we have to make as both individuals and as churches if we are really going to embrace uh, being God's missionary people in our world. And one of the things I want you to be listening for today as I interview Brad is uh, this idea that God's mission is the central theme of the Bible. Um, I don't know, but when, when I hear that, that, that makes me kind of go, huh? You know, really? Is that is that the case? Um I'm wondering how you respond to that statement as well, and I'm going to ask Brad about that today. So let's go ahead and get into the interview, and um, let's explore what it looks like for us to really wrap our heads around this idea that our God is a missionary God, that he is a sending God. Here in chapter one, you guys say that mission, and I say you guys, you and Lance Ford, who wrote this material, uh, that mission is the grand narrative of scripture, um, which immediately strikes me as, you know, like, really? (laughs) Is is that that really what the big story of the Bible is? Uh, So, man, I'd love for you to unpack that for us. Um, because I don't feel like that's something I hear a lot of people say when they're talking about the the meta narrative of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, first off, I say it, it's really easy to just kind of forget that the overarching story, the the meta narrative, the language you use there, uh, is all about God's mission. Because I think sometimes when we preach or teach, uh, we'll preach or teach on a sp- really a specific passage or maybe a specific chapter or maybe a specific book. And when we do that, we sometimes just miss or forget. It's easy to do this. Just forget that the overarching story is all about God's mission. So I think there's a couple different ways to be reminded of this. Uh, One is to be uh, really just reminded or refreshed about that overarching narrative that really from Genesis to Revelation, the overarching story is all about God redeeming or reconciling all of creation back to himself, that God is a missionary God. We just see it just throughout scripture um, from, you know, the the four part narrative that sometimes uh, some people use the language of of creation and fall and restoration or redemption and restoration. That overarching story is all about God's mission. And there's some great resources, some great writing over the last decade or so on this. Christopher Wright's written a fantastic book called Mission of God. Uh, He wrote another book called The Mission of God's People. Uh, there's a guy named Michael Goheen that's written two or three books that just help remind us of this overarching story. So I think that's one thing, one way just to be reminded that God's a missionary God is just to re-engage this overarching meta-narrative that it's all about God's mission. Hmm. But in the very first lesson of Missional Essentials, I share another way to be reminded of God's missionary nature, and that's by uh, surveying what is called the sending language in Scripture. There's just this beautiful and amazing theme in Scripture where God is constantly calling men and women out and sending them to participate in His redemptive purposes. It's 
every book of the Old Testament. We see it in the historical books. We see it in the poetic books. It's especially prominent in the prophetic books of the Old Testament. Um, I'll just give you an example, and I don't think I share this in in the first lesson. Uh, there's this Hebrew verb. The verb is shalak, and we translate that verb in Hebrew uh, into English. It's, we translate it to send. Well, that Hebrew verb is used 800 times in the Old Testament. And 200 of those 800 times, it's used with God as the subject. So in other words, it's God who commissions and it's God who sends. So think 200 times in the Old Testament, God is sending someone to participate in what he's already doing. Well, when you move into the New Testament, it's the same way. You see this language in all the Gospels, in the book of Acts. You see it in all of Paul's epistles where God is calling people out and sending them. And I'll just give you one example here, because I just think this is really powerful, but probably the best example is in the Gospel of John in the New Testament. So think about it like this. The Gospel of John, it opens with the incarnation, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And then it closes with John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Well, in between those two verses in the Gospel of John, nearly 40 times, Jesus refers to himself as the one sent by the Father. So here's what we see in the Gospels. We see God the Father sending the Son, God the Father and the Son sending the Spirit, and then God the Father and the Son and the Spirit sending the church. Well, I just think when we see, when we couple both the grand narrative, the overarching story being all about God's mission, and then we when we really examine the sending language in both the Old and New Testament, we just can't miss that God is a missionary sending God. And sometimes people say, well, why does that even matter? Well, I think it matters because if God is a missionary God, and he is, then we as his people are missionary people. So one of my favorite ways to say that is that the church doesn't just send missionaries. The church is the missionary. So in other words, individually and collectively, we, we ought to see ourselves as sent missionary people. And for me, that just changes everything. And that's really why we, we start with that particular topic in lesson one or week one of the workbook is I just think that lays the foundation for everything else. When we see that we we are, each one of us are a sent missionary person, but then collectively we're a sent missionary people, it just, it changes everything we do uh, as a church. So I'm thinking about this in light of the church growth movement that we talked about or the attractional church posture, which as you said, is largely consumeristic. It's largely about hey, everybody come to us. We, we've got all this great stuff. Uh, we've got these uh, religious professionals who uh, perform all of these great services on our behalf uh, or for us. Um, and, and yet, what you're saying is that the actual posture of the church should be a posture of going or being sent rather than a posture of like setting up shop and saying, hey, we've got the greatest news you could ever hear, but if you want it, you've got to come get it from us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I would say, because sometimes when we say that, people, it'll they'll think that we're minimizing the gathering. And I'll say, no, I'm not minimizing the gathering at all, but we need to repurpose the, the why we gather. So instead of gathering and, and uh, you know, creating a, a goods and services that we're trying to attract people to come and consume of, we gather to celebrate what God's doing the rest of the week but also we gather to equip one another to be sent back out. So that's a very different, we're not anti-gathering because we are a gathered worshiping community, 
But when we gather, we ought to be equipping one another to to go where people are rather than to try to get them to come to us. Yeah. Well, so practically, can you can you give me some examples of, of what this looks like? Because I think for most of us, we are so used to a more attractional posture. What what does this shift shift look like in a local church context or what could it look like in a local church context? Well, again, I think uh, one of the things we need to do, we need to ask, how do, how can we equip people to be sent back out in our gatherings? I think certainly we think about when we preach or teach, what are we preaching and teaching? Are we are we preaching and teaching certain things that where we can actually equip be, people to think and act like missionaries in their context? How can how can we uh, teach in such a way to help them recognize where God is already at work in their neighborhoods and their workplaces and social spaces? Um, how can we equip them to have spiritual conversations with people instead of just rather than having a conversation and trying to invite someone to the church service? How can we really help them think like a missionary where God has already sent them? Um, I think it'll even affect the way that we worship, um, certainly affect the way we think about discipleship um, and and even the church. I mean, we, we ought to help people uh, try to create community out in the spaces where God has already sent them rather than trying to get them to incorporate lost people into maybe community that's already existing. So I, I just think it it will reorient the purposes of what we do as a church. And I, and I say later in another lesson that really, if it is all about God's mission, and I think it is God's redemptive purposes, uh, then God's mission ought to shape or inform everything else we do as a church. The way we think about small groups, the way we think about children's ministry, the way we think about youth ministry, it just it ought to inform or kind of seep into all the other activities or programs of the church. The the last part of this lesson uh, is something called uh, a cultural distance diagram or, or chart. Uh, this is something, man, we have used uh, so much, uh, particularly in our new members class. So, so a lot of our folks are familiar with this basic idea. Um, and so we don't have to get into it deeply, but I like one of the things that I feel like it diagnoses is one, what we talked about a minute ago, that our, our culture has and here in America has become increasingly diverse. Even here in the South, in a city like Shreveport, it's become increasingly diverse. Um, so in, in some ways, the nations have come to us. Um, but but also that the posture of the American church largely has and 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 that attractional thing we've been talking about that we've we've largely been fishing in the pond that is culturally the closest to us, like the people who are most likely to show up at church on a Sunday morning. And you know one of the examples I use sometimes is I used to serve at a church that had installed a big digital billboard on the interstate. And what did we put on that billboard? Well, we would put up stuff like, hey, we're doing a sermon series on Philippians. And, and even before I had some of these paradigm shifts, I remember thinking, who in the world's driving down the interstate and, and like going, oh, man, they're doing Philippians. Like, I got I to gotta pull off and show up at this church. Like, the only people who would do that are people who are already predisposed to go to church. And at least around here, maybe people who are already going to another church somewhere. So how, I, I, what I'm curious about is with these things in mind, how do we get out of that pond? Because if you are a churched person, then chances are that a lot of the people you interact with are like you. 
um, and, and we can fall into this trap of being very homogenous. So how do we break outside of that uh, just immediate culture and engage some of these other cultures that are probably around us, but that we may not be interacting with? Well, Weston, uh, I mean, that's multifaceted answer, I think, is that, and, and that's several things that we'll talk about as we work through some of the other lessons, but I think it has to start with this paradigm shift. It has to start with recognizing that people aren't, we're not, we no longer live in a context where people will cross those cultural barriers to come be with us, that we have to be reminded again, just like, and I know you talk about this in your new members course, is that uh, when we ask them to come to us, we are in essence asking them to be the missionary. So that's why this first paradigm shift, we have to be reminded that we are the sent missionary people of God. So we have to go where they are rather than get the, try to attract them to come to us. So I think it has to start with that paradigm shift, but then this will lead right into our next conversation. Uh, and the second lesson, we, we just call it incarnational mission is that we must allow the incarnation of Jesus to inform our posture towards our context. So in other words, we have to start taking responsibility for our own neighborhood. We have to start taking responsibility for the places where God has sent us, where we work and in social spaces. And then I think this is, and this is something when it comes to training in the church, if we're going to help people think and act like missionaries, we have to help them become missionaries in their context. And, and where that starts is they have to become great listeners. They have to become great observers. They have to discover where is God already at work in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods. And because you're right, not only have the nations come to us, but we're living in a time where the number of what they call nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, the people that have no religious affiliation, it is skyrocketing. So like, there are just tens of thousands of people around us that have not only do they have no interest in church, like you said, it's not even on their radar. I mean, never mm -hmm. in a million years would they look at a, a billboard about a sermon right. series and so, oh, we're going to start going to church this Sunday. <laughs> we just don't live there anymore. You know, the little kind of a silly analogy I'll use sometimes is I'll say, look, if someone were to send us to a foreign country, let's say Pakistan next week to plant a church, Never in a million years would we think, oh, well, the first thing we need to do is find a space where we could set up 100 chairs, you know, hire a worship leader, buy a sound system. No, never in a million years we would, do, would we do that. Instead, we'd say, hey, I need to learn this context. I need to become, I need to start developing relationships and building friendships with people and then eventually start discipling people. And maybe at some point we'll gather them together, but we would never think that's where we're going to start is with the gathering. So I'm convinced today more than ever, uh, we need to help pastors and church leaders and church planters think less like a pastor starting a Sunday morning worship service and more like a missionary engaging their context. And we, you know, and again, I know we don't live in Pakistan, but even in the South, in any major city, there are way more people than we know have no interest in church and no interest in the programs and activities of the church. So that's why it's all, it's more important than ever. We have to go where they are. All right, a lot of great stuff here in this first chapter. I'd really encourage you to read it if you haven't had a chance to yet. Uh, I'm, I have no doubt that there will be more things that you pick up on. The big thing that I'm taking away from this episode is, man, that uh, statement that Brad made about just the number of times that the Hebrew verb for to send is found in the Old Testament and how 200 of those times 
uh, are God sending, commissioning, sending somebody to do something specific? Um, That's just amazing. Uh, So we're going to pick this up in chapter two in our next episode. Uh, We're going to begin talking, as Brad said, about what's called incarnational ministry or figuring out how the incarnation of Jesus actually translates into how we live in our everyday lives. And I look forward to joining you guys then.